This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Christopher Carter. Trust no one. Fight the future. The smoking man knows the truth. And the truth is we appreciate all our faithful spoilerites. But I want to believe that this one goes out to him, Agent Scully. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In... This issue, you can call me Ray or you can call me Jay, but you doesn't has to call me Hyperion. Steven's in prep school. I'm following pretty girls through the alleys of Gotham City. Rodrigo's going to probably smile that half-smile thing he does and stroke his beard in silent, quiet judgment of us all. Gods and heroes, imps and shrimps, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. I am immortal and I have within me blood of kings. I have no rival. No man can be my equal. And there's a reason why Steven and Rodrigo stay in the other room when we broadcast, because that whole thing where I beheaded Skrull Brian and stapled my head back on. But there can be only one major spoilers podcast on the air. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad you could join us this issue. New York Comic Con took place this past weekend in New York City. Where else would it take place? <laughs> Albuquerque. No. You know, to be fair, <laughs> if I was going to start a comic convention out here in the middle of Kansas, I would name it the New York Comic Con, <laughs> just to be confusing. <laughs> there was a lot of news that came out of the show, and we have a lot of news that we might be able to cover, but we had to increase the size of that wheel this week, Rodrigo. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on there. There is. Let's run down this list really quick. We've got more Starship uh, Troopers movies on the way. Yet another Transformers movie. Two more Transformers movies, in fact. The Dark Phoenix Returns. Jeff Lindsay to pin Dexter comic for Marvel. Crypto is dead. Shazam joins the new 52. Matt Reeves to direct the Twilight Zone movie. Darth Maul returns. Valentine's Day 2013 is a good day to die hard. The Lone Ranger is given a go-ahead. Phineas and Ferb bump the Thor release date. That's a crap load of stories. Yeah, it is. All of them, any one of them, worth talking about, but there can be only one. So let's spin that Wheel of Destiny and see where we want It's a bigger wheel this week, you see. Oh, there it lands right there on Phineas and Ferb bump the Thor release. So originally, originally Thor 2 as Guardian Boogaloo was set to release July 26, 2013. Mm-hmm. Okay. The the sequel to this past summer's uh, man, pretty good hit. Right. I mean, the movie made something like uh, $448 million worldwide, almost half a billion dollars. And yeah, summertime, but in their defense, you know, the tickets were like thirty-four bucks. Well, not everybody no, went were, to see it in three D. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, Matthew, the summer movie season is the best time to nab those box office dollars, which is why it came as a huge surprise this past week when Disney announced that it was moving Thor two from July twenty-six, two thousand thirteen, to November fifteenth, twenty thirteen. Now, check this out, Rodrigo. Typically, you have a couple of different uh, major movie-going seasons. You have summertime, which is basically the end of April, 
through about September 3rd, that Labor Day weekend. Right. That's about your summer movie gap. And then you have a break. And then the next big holiday, the next big holiday season is the holidays, basically mm-hmm. from Thanksgiving weekend all the way through January 3rd. Okay. And then after that is the dredge of the movie going season. Movies right. that get released simply so there's something in the box office. Right. And that's basically from mid-January through end of April. And then, and then it starts all over again. And then some indie stuff with um, with a uh, studio back. Yeah, and that's when the release. indie stuff is released, right. during those small periods. I mean, 300, I think, was released originally in that, in that, in that time period because the studios didn't know, you know what to make of it. But here you're taking Thor... Right. And you're moving it from a July 26th big time summer, right in the middle of summer, to November 15th. Not even in the Thanksgiving holiday season. Yeah. It's like a week or two before Thanksgiving. What do you think of that? Here's what I think of that. Um, I think that this is exactly that sort of the, the sort of thing that we were telling people wasn't gonna happen yeah um but it it really feels like disney saying oh no well thor didn't do that well and when looking at the major at the entirety of the of the big picture for our assets we feel that phineas and ferb would be better here that's the thing phineas and ferb the movie Mm -hmm. is taking thor's place yes yes they're saying phineas and ferb would be better here and will release thor here it'll still do pretty good you know yeah yeah, marvel studios we're not fiddling with it but they're fiddling with the release date Mm -hmm. and it kind of feels like they are nudging it out for a property that they feel is better now a lot of the a lot of people's fears were that disney was going to be like oh well marvel studios or marvel comics from now on, Wolverine's claws need to be dull, and <laughs> Deadpool can only... Sh- uh, inst- he has to have, like, uh, Nerf guns. Right, right. Stuff like that, right? But in in reality, I think most of the meddling, quote-unquote, that we're going to see is this kind of thing. Matthew, is this meddling by Disney to uh, play down uh, the Thor Marvel properties? Uh, how in the world would I know that? I will say two things about this. One... I am always fascinated at the amount of energy that goes into what is essentially guesswork about when movies are going to air, what movies are going to be popular, what movies aren't. I mean, really, it's a crapshoot. And both of these films are going to have gone through thousands of little, you know, focus groups and notes and producer feedback and all of the crap that goes into a movie these days. I look at it this way. Phineas and Ferb are a proven franchise phineas and ferb is one of the most popular things on cable they're uh what was it the phineas and ferb movie with the alternate reality thing yeah yeah across the second dimension huge numbers yeah i mean they and it's something that crosses boundary lines adults watch phineas and ferb and enjoy it so i can see where phineas and ferb if i were making if i were weighing phineas and ferb versus thor Phineas and Ferb is probably a stronger property. It's probably going to be a stronger movie. Let me ask you this, though, Matthew. I mean, yes, Phineas and Ferb have done massive numbers on cable. They had the most watched television show or uh, that movie was the most watched show on cable history until, of course, this past weekend's Walking Dead premiered. And then that took the number one spot. But and Rodrigo and I were having a conversation about making money earlier before the show began 
Phineas and Ferb is always free. I mean, of course, you got to pay your cable cable bill, but Phineas and Ferb are free with commercial interruption. Now you're asking audiences to spend upward of 50 bucks for a family of four to go see Phineas and Ferb in the theaters, and Disney is banking on that, making them lots of money compared to maybe Thor 2, which has already made half a billion, half a billion dollars, and they're saying, oh, this one's not going to be the stronger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That seems a little contradictory in in itself. We know that that Phineas and Ferb is going to make a lot of money. It's merchandising. It's it's monetizing something that the kids can get for free. And the kids will drive the parents insane getting them to the store. Whereas Thor, and what this really boils down to for me, and I'm a comic fan, and I say this with love, comic fans, if we presume that this is the thing we're looking at this, might be a little butthurt at the fact that a quote-unquote children's property is nudging out what's a quote-unquote adult adventure film but thor is just as much a children's property as phineas and ferb in its Mm -hmm. own way Mm -hmm. oh sure but the difference is thor has had one movie that did some fair to middling stuff phineas and ferb sell merchandise they sell dvds they sell toys they sell stuff i mean kids watch phineas and ferb every single week my daughter wanted what my daughter's a little old for that phineas and ferb demographic in some ways wanted to see the Phineas and Ferb alternate reality giant movie Schmageggy when it came on. So I think that if I were just looking at this from a question of which feels like the stronger property, I think they may have made the, they may have made the right decision or what feels like the writer decision. Mm -hmm. And again, what's all pretty much guesswork from, from my point of view, here's a couple of things that kind of seem a little weird, especially from Disney lately in that cowboys or I'm sorry. Um, Mars Needs Moms mm-hmm. comes out, right? And that movie sucked at the box right. office. Super I mean, tanked. really, really super tanked. And so what was the very next move that we hear from Disney? They dropped the word Mars from the John Carter of Mars movie because... Even, even though the, the little symbol yeah, of still you contains it is a and an yeah. M. Yeah. Even just because somebody felt, somebody in Disney felt that the demographic wouldn't go see a movie with the name Mars in it. Mars must not be a, a, a big selling thing, so we gotta fix now, wait, this. Where does that where does that supposition come from? Was that something that, that was actually a actual comment? That was actually a comment. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So then Cowboys and Aliens is ready to come out, mm-hmm. and Cowboys and Aliens doesn't do very well in the movie, and then suddenly Disney is like two hundred and seventy five million dollars for a Lone Ranger movie. We will never pay for that much. But two hundred and fifteen million. Yeah, we'll pay for that. Right. So they were really haggling on the the idea of we're not going to make the Lone Ranger because cowboy movies aren't, you know, aren't there. I'm not not really convinced it's two hundred and fifty million dollars because Johnny Depp is a proven commodity, as you're saying, Matthew. And he'll bring a billion dollars in for the Lone Ranger just because he's in it. Right. Right. Then we get to this Thor thing. And just because Thor did a billion dollars or half a billion dollars in ticket sales worldwide, Somebody at Disney is sitting there going, oh, wait, we spent $150 million on this. It only made $181 million in the U.S., so therefore in the U.S., this movie is not popular. Let's put something else in. Mm-hmm. And it seems to this, be that— I mean, this is the movie-maker Disney, mentality. That is the, and that seems to be lately Disney's kind of knee-jerk reaction to everything. Oh, my God, this is going to affect something down the road, which in fact it probably isn't. I, the now, thing is, though, I don't know that it's not just Disney— Right. This is how the entire movie industry goes. I mean, to an extent, yeah. I I think that there have been times where a movie is basically stillborn mm-hmm. because 
the studio gets scared right before the right. movie's about to go on. Right. They just either shelve it or mm-hmm. stick it in the dead I, of winter. I, I, I really or, want I, you I to watch. I guess the dead of winter is actually a good season for movies. They they stick it in the middle of spring or something, and the movie doesn't get the push that it needs to be that super badass movie. Uh, earlier tonight... Mm-hmm. I was looking forward. Rodrigo brought in his parents traveled to Italy. La di da. Oh yeah, no those those guys are having a good time. <laughs> they went to Spain like a year ago and stuff. But uh, his parents picked up from him uh, an Italian copy of Dylan Dog, mm-hmm. which is where the property comes from. It's very popular in Europe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Dylan Dog was a movie that tanked in the box office, mm-hmm. and I really want you to see that, Rodrigo, because. Uh, I want to see what your reaction to it is. It's kind of in the same vein as I would say Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit more humor thrown in than necessary. Uh, but still, I I mean, I didn't hate it. Right. But I still want you to watch it to get your reaction. Because that movie was in the theaters for one weekend. It didn't do stellar results in the box office that one weekend. And it was yanked. Crazy. I mean, I think it made less than a million dollars. Wow. And it's got Superman in it. Yeah. Now, Matthew, going no, back to something. Wait, which, Ralph, wait, which Superman? Superman. <laughs> well, considering there's a bunch of zombies running around, it could be every Superman. It's got going Den- back to Den- Matthew's <laughs> comment. Going back to Matthew's comment about Phineas and Ferb and merchandising. Long time ago, Disney got into this crazy habit. I don't say it was crazy. Actually, it was a brilliant move to start releasing their major motion pictures during the holiday season. Comes out at Thanksgiving. We've got all those kids who are out of school. We've got them around their parents' little fingers. Oh, the other way around. Parents are on their fingers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say something else, but this Uh is a family-oriented podcast, goddammit. But that meant that the kids were going to the theater, going to the theater, going to the theater right at that height of time. And then they'd release that movie on DVD in... uh, Uh, April or May or something Mm -hmm. like that. But at the same time, as the movie's hype was building, they could start selling the merchandise right at the same time as the stuff was out, and they could make a lot of money during that holiday season. Right. In this case, I I don't know if Phineas and Ferb merchandise sells that well, to be honest. I I haven't looked at those numbers, but I look at some of those Phineas and Ferb merchandise toys, like the little figures and stuff, and I sit there and go, I would not want to have any of those toys. And my son, who loves Phineas and Ferb, looks at that stuff and is just like, can I have that Thor action figure? Can I have the Captain American? Can I have the Batman? Not interested in the Phineas and Ferb merchandise. But if you look at DVD sales, my son loves watching that movie. So if you release it in the summertime, by the time it comes around for the holidays, November, guess what? That movie's out on DVD. And now you yep. can buy it for Christmas and the holidays with bonus content, et cetera, et cetera. So it may be a pretty good business move mm-hmm. to shift things around. But it does seem a little weird that these kinds of things are happening out of Disney right now. I think there are certain properties that don't action figureize very well, despite being very popular or very interesting. For example, Doctor Who. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is that series of action figures. Right. um, Yeah, Matthew's not getting the 11 Doctor set. Sorry. Yeah, well, we all have have to tighten our belts this year. (laughs) Um, It's been rough. Yeah. But... uh, yeah, I mean, so everybody everybody loves Doctor Who, but honestly, when I come across a little money and I'm like, oh, you know, I haven't bought like an action figure. I think the last thing I bought was the last thing Todd McFarlane put out, and I, that wasn't very good anyway. Medieval Spawn? Yeah, something like that, or like Manga Spawn or something. 
Half naked Alice in Wonderland. Or the, uh, yeah, that one. And then there's also his baseball action figures. That no, he I haven't. I the haven't action figures those. that are stuck in one pose. Right. Yeah, baseball. Baseball maquettes or whatever. In action figures. Um, but, you know, looking at the doctor stuff, I'm like, well, I love the doctor, but he's just a dude. Yeah. So maybe I will buy this, like, uh, Metallo thing where his face falls off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Metallo makes for a better action figure than sure. the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's probably going to boil down to DVD sales is what they're more after mm-hmm. than anything else. And maybe you know what I think? maybe soundtrack. I don't know. I'm going to tell you something very important. You know how I work in a call center and I complain about my IR. Really? As of, as of the last <laughs> time I checked, my IR was really, really, really good. And people like to come to me and they say, what are you doing different? Nothing. And I think that what this really boils down to, and I think, honestly, I think that a lot of Hollywood uh, movie-making decisions boils down to is, well, what did we do last time? Did it work? No? Okay, well, this Change is kind of like that. Yeah. Let's do it different. Yeah. But then it also comes down to, well, this worked once, and it's the equivalent of you know wearing your lucky socks for a baseball game or hopping on one foot because it makes for good yeah. luck. I mean, well, there's I think- no science in their science. Right. And I think that Thor being moved to mid-November – it may mean that that you know somebody doesn't have a whole lot of faith in its ability to leap, or it may be something where they think, you know what, this movie could go a few weeks and get into that holiday territory, yeah, and you know it could tank right here, or we could carry it into December, or honestly, it could be Thor. What's Thor? I'm so Thor, I can hardly sit down, mm-hmm. you know, and that's all they know about it is that it's got the big blonde guy with the with the plastic armors, yeah. I think there's a lot of reactionary stuff that just is, seems a little bit too reactionary. Now, granted, we're not on the inside of of the uh, yes, the Disney minds, oh, we uh, but we can observe and we can sit back and we can look <laughs> at patterns and we can draw conclusions. Um, I I just find it a little a little odd is all. Oh yeah, uh, listeners, you can comment on this story. There's a link right there in the show notes, and you can comment on any of the other stories over at majorspoilers.com, including including Transformers 4 and 5 with Jason Statham? Could happen. I guess. No, you know the... Uh, it's crap. Okay, it's here's Hasbro a, here's money. A, here, here's, a, here's a comment about Transformers. <laughs> Stop focusing on the people. Yeah, yeah, Who cares? Giant robots, man. I always hated the Widwicky clan in the cartoons. In the cartoons. I didn't or, even know that that or, was their names in the cartoons. Or the little, was annoying kid and or, annoying girl. Or that guy who got on the scooter in GoBots, right? It's like, I just, I want to see thing? the robots. I don't know. Uh, I, it, I saw you know it in why Spanish. You don't know? Yeah, I saw it in uh, Spanish, so his name was probably Roberto or something like that. <laughs> T-Bob. It was T-Bob. That was a kid's name? No. T-Bob? Why didn't Psykill kill that kid sooner then? Put him out of his misery. Actually, do do him a favor. Hey, everyone. Head over to Majorspoilers.com. Uh, don't forget we have the Major Spoilers costume contest coming up. Actually, it's wrapping up. You have until October 21st, this Friday, to get your entry in. We will then present to you on probably Saturday or Monday uh, all of the entrants, everybody who entered. And we will narrow it down to the top five, at which point you will vote. And then on October 31st, we will crown the winner, not with a real crown, but an imaginary crown, just like our mailbox there. Mm-hmm. 
and we will give them an does iPad. The, does the crown too. rattle like paper too? Yes, it does. It's a Burger King crown. Yes. Stick around. We'll be right back. We're going to be talking about reviews. How to get a major spoiler shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. I want to uh, dive into that uh, mailbag really quick. Oh, this one's got pages. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten to the point where Stephen just reaches for whatever is handy. <laughs> next time, next, next time, time, let me reach into the mailbag. Yep, you're just gonna hear some like plopping and fizzing, <laughs> depending on how that first segment yeah, went. That's gonna be the Alka Seltzer, I take. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Stephen, really, really Matthew, awesome and parts. Rodrigo. I've never donated to a podcast before, but I just can't go another day feeling like I'm stealing from you guys. Here's somebody that has their priorities right, right, or a plant. Yes, I've been listening to major spoilers <laughs> and critical hit for about a year now. So this donation is my modest thank you for the countless hours of fantastic content that you've provided for me. Forgive me if fantastic. you guys have tackled it's this topic good. already, but oh, he talks about interactive comics. We'll talk about that another time. Um, but I wanted to get into this thing that he wanted to get down to. Uh, I wouldn't have picked up Walking Dead. I wouldn't have gone through games if you guys hadn't have talked about them. Keep up the great work. Chris Carter. The guy who we donated the, the dedicated the show to mm-hmm. said, "Hey, I'm tired of, of stealing from you guys, getting all this free content. I want to contribute, and I will say that he contributed more than that ten dollars minimum needed to get the uh, shout out at the top of the show. So, thank you, Chris, and thank you to everybody who donates to the show. Or if they don't want to get a shout out at the top of the show, I, I will say though that people that do that ten dollar a month recurring donation." They are, they're going to get that shout out. Mm-hmm. Eventually it'll go in and then every couple of months you'll hear your name again. We really appreciate the people who've done the two, the five and the $10 a month recurring donations. Yeah, it's not stealing, but you know, think about it, Matthew, do the math for me real quick, Matthew, $10 okay. a month, $10 okay. a month. And we put out okay. on average, just for major spoilers, eight shows a month. Uh-huh. And then for critical hit, we put out four shows a month. Uh-huh. And then for top five, we put in put two out between two or three shows a month, depending on how the month falls. So let's say two shows a month for that. Okay. So how many shows a month is that? That's fifteen. Fifteen shows a month. Fifteen shows a month. That is surprising, actually. Just I, <laughs> I was surprised uh, uh, too. <laughs> obviously, we don't rehearse this crap, right? I'm actually kind of surprised that we put out fifteen shows. Fifteen a month. shows a month, and and if someone, Matthew, let me ask you this. If someone yes. did a $5 a month donation, yes. you're the math genius. Yes. Do the math. How much does that equate Comparatively per Comparatively a list, because we both really suck. That, right, right, right. <laughs> that would be 33.333 what? repeating cents per show. 33 cents per show? Wait a minute. Yes. Now, we're going to get ready to do some reviews in a minute. The book I'm reviewing we is are. Morning Glories, and it has... Okay. Let me go through here real quick. I'm going to say it has somewhere pages. probably about 22 pages... 22 pages of content. Okay? Yes. 22 pages of content. Maybe good. May not be so good. Rodrigo's got My Greatest Adventure number one coming up. Mm-hmm. Maybe good. Maybe not so good. And it's got at least 20, 22 pages in it. 
for two ninety nine a month. Matthew, okay, so my my Nick Spencer, Joe uh, Isma, <laughs> Morning Glories book, two ninety nine a month for twenty two pages. Yeah, about seven cents a page. Seven cents a page. And how long does it take you to read a comic book? Thirty uh, seconds. It could take me weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Realistically, how long does it take to read a comic book, Rodrigo? Let's say an even five minutes. Five minutes? Really? Wow, you're a speed reader. I am. I was going to say 20 minutes. I'm like, look at the pretty pictures first, and then on the, my second go-round, I read all the words. And then on my third go-round, I look at all the ads. F- <laughs> 15 shows a month. How many hours of, of, of entertainment is that? 15. Well, depending on at whether we get into 15. combat, it's anywhere between 15 and 73 hours. I would say it's between 15 and 25 hours a month. Hmm. I think our last two critical hit episodes went seven yeah, hours an hour, and 15 An hour, an hour or so. Do the math, people. Six seconds. Do the math, people. Where are you getting your more bang for your buck? Sure, 33 cents an episode may seem like a lot, but when you compare that 33 cents and the seven cents and one of them only gives you, what, 10 minutes of pleasure? And the other one gives you 25 hours worth of pleasure. Mm-hmm. I think I know where I'm putting my money. Delicious pleasure. <laughs> that took a little bit longer uh, than I thought. Well, it was kind of a transition into Morning Glories. Let's go Glories. shopping. Yes, let's speak about Morning Glories in our reviews. Uh-oh, here we go. Morning Glory Academy. <laughs> Sorry, that's Morning Wood. My bad. I always get those. <laughs> Number 13, some crazy, crazy stuff going on. We uh, pick up the story almost immediately after the events of the last time. We get a little bit uh, backstory on Casey. Casey is the featured character this month. Well, really, it's more of an ensemble, but Casey takes the, uh, the, the front and center. We know that Casey's parents have been killed. She's seen them die as she entered uh, Morning Glory Academy. But this is a flashback to her dad. Dad was in the Marines. Dad's teaching her to be kind of a big tomboy and do what daddy wants to do because she's daddy's girl. And she's got a lot of pressure to perform and, and be strong and do all this stuff. She's not strong enough to have a boyfriend, though. She breaks up with uh, with Hunter, um, who doesn't take it well, and then goes off on uh, Zoe, who thinks that she's all that. And that's all kind of fun and good. There's some good character development and interaction there. But the big thing comes, um, we were introduced to Mrs. Hodge last issue. And Mrs. Hodge got has something weird going on. We don't know what it is. She appears to be someone that can come and go and has an inside track with the students. She sends a note to Casey to, to uh, meet her at this hidden cave because they're going to escape. But before they can do that, dun, 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 it's the wood run. Whatever the wood run is, we don't know anything about it. But they're divided into teams, and Casey's team consists of Jade and Ike. Ike, the uh, kid that nobody likes. He's the the real, you know, jerk of the, of the I, group. I, I just think it's funny that it's Ike, the kid no one likes. <laughs> Shut up, Tina. Uh, anyway... Uh, They get to the cave and Mrs. Hodge is there and she's like, oh, you brought the wrong group. We can't all escape. You were supposed to bring June and and Hunter, the two other boys. Uh, We can't uh, take Ike and Jade with us. We're going to escape. And this is where it gets really weird. It seems like morning glories. It gets to that point where I'm like, all right, you're just about lost me. Mm -hmm. And then they pull me back in with some hook. And this one is uh, Mrs. Hodge tells... Uh, Zoe, or uh, not Zoe, uh, tells Jade, stand up here in this firelight, make sure your shadows are dancing on the walls, and the shadows are doing some pretty bizarre things, let me tell you. 
until, and we're going to go down into this pit and you stay here until we disappear. And Jade's like, you mean until you get up? And Mrs. Hodge is like, no, until we disappear. And so she and Casey go down to the bottom of this pit and they sit down and they start watching all these lights starting to fly around them. And then all of a sudden Casey's like going, hey, what's going on? There's something weird going on. I don't understand what's going on. And we see this flashback of all these people through history who are going through trials and tribulations and pain and good things and bad things are happening. And then suddenly she wakes up and Mrs. Hodge is like, hey, uh, are you okay? And Casey's like, where are we? And Mrs. Hodge is like, well, we're not where we were supposed to be. And they're outside a military fence and the military drives up and the Marines jump out. And Casey's dad is there going, halt, get down on your hands and knees. It appears as though either A, they've traveled back in time, or B, they've gone into another dimension. In either case... Another dimension, another dimension. In either case, awesome ending to this book. Whoa, not what I was expecting. I was really thinking that this was starting to turn more and more into Tower Prep, which is a fine television show. It was canceled, I believe. Mm -hmm. But uh, Morning Glories has drawn me back in now for yet another two issues. Maybe three, because I have to order my comics three months in advance. It's drawn me back in once again. Nick Spencer does an excellent job of creating a a mystical hook, giving us something that has no answers. Basically, it's issue after issue of MacGuffin after MacGuffin. Mm -hmm. Interesting characters. Interesting character development as we learn more and more about the characters. And then the art by Joe Isma or Isma. Wonderful. Wonderful Isma. art. Isma. I just love this art. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Uh, page layout is good using the um, uh, uh, more of the horizontal frame makes it feel more cinematic. The coloring is is really good. It kind of has a watercolory almost animation kind of feel to it, kind of a cross between those two. Good, good story. I liked it a lot. It came out last week, listeners. If you haven't been reading Morning Glories, there's a couple of trades out on it, but certainly Morning Glories number 13, 299, certainly worth all four slices of meatloaf that I'm giving it this month. There you go. Image Comics. Bravo. All right. Dragging me in yet again. Okay, there's our <laughs> there's our indie title for for the reviews. Mm-hmm. Let's go into uh, uh, into DC Comics for the rest of the show. Well, not the rest of the show. Uh, sure, new number ones. New number ones are always coming out from DC Comics. Whether and actually, there's a lot of new number ones coming out from Marvel. One of the new books that has a number one, and I think this isn't part of the new Fifty Two Matthew because it's a limited series. It's only six issue limited series, and it's solicited as six issues is My Greatest Adventure number one. It's part of the New 52, which is now actually the New 56. Yes, with all the new number ones that yeah, they Yeah, and have. I think that's the deal is the, there's the DC relaunch. Right. So this is part of that. The New 52 were the first 52, 52 titles books, yeah. of the DC relaunch. Right. So, Rodrigo, please tell us. Right. My Greatest Adventure number one. My Greatest no, Adventure. No, tell us is in the Legion. Waha. This my, is Robot Man. My greatest adventure, number one, is an anthology title. Yay, anthologies. Featuring they, an adventure... They border on the Adriatic. An adventure of Robot Man. Yay, Doom Patrol. Garbage Man. Yay, sanitation workers. 
and Tanga. Yay, ripoff. Yay, Futurama. No, it's Tanga, <laughs> not Turing. No, Tanga, oh, Tanga oh. is a kind of swimsuit. <laughs> oh, okay. No, Tanga is a dance originating in Italy. Thank you, astronauts, orange juice. Um, No, 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 that's ta- Tanga and Cash. <laughs> it's a movie with Sylvester Stallone, is what you're thinking of. So let's anyway. take it one at a time. Okay. There's a story about Robot Man called The Robot Man Uncanny Valley Part 1, in which we're introduced to Robot Man. And Robot Man is a robot man. He is a robot with a man brain. And Can he do whatever a robot can? He can. And also some things that a man can, like uh, be weird around girls. <laughs> um, he has an assistant uh, named Maddie. Maddie Rouge. Which is, <gasps> yes. You know what the Maddie is short for? Madame. Way to kill the suspense there, Steve. <laughs> well, you asked. But yes. I and mean, I gave it is... even a little pause. <laughs> uh. I Honestly, there were two ways that could have gone. Either Stephen killed the joke or or I was really Stephen expecting Matthew. Stephen kills another joke. No, or, 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 or I really expected Matthew to go, you know what the Maddie stands for? Anyway, so Robot Man gets a robot job to go down to Cuba and fight a guy, but when he gets there, there are a bunch of zombies, and Robot Man is like, oh no, zombies, Um, and then he realizes that it's nanites that are turning people into zombies, and then the zombies dismantle him. Oh no. Oh no! This story, the art is good. I like it. Um, the narration gets a little... Like, it's clear that they're trying to get you to understand what Robot Man's deal is. Which is that he's kind of frustrated because he's a brain in a can and he can't feel things the way that he used to. Mm-hmm. But this story is like eight pages and not a panel goes by where he doesn't tell you and I can't feel things because I'm a robot man. Oh, really? Yeah, pretty Despite much. Despite all his rage, he is still just a brain in a can. Pretty much. Okay. Next up is Garbage Man story. Garbage Man finds himself in the water, and he's like, oh, no, I'm in the water. So he f- crawls out of the water, and he's like, I need to do a thing. Um, <laughs> we meet the guy that he used to be, where he's arguing with a girl, and the girl is like, no, I am leaving you. And then he's like... You should go make out with your assistant. And she's like, and he's like, he, she's just my friend. And then a hobo comes up to the friend and is like, Garbage Man is alive. So it's kind of a flashback as Garbage Man is uh, floating around in the water. And eventually he pulls himself out of the water and decides to do a thing. But we don't know what that thing is because the story's over. So he doesn't get like he's not working in his laboratory and it blows up and he's on fire and he has I to run into the swamp of garbage to I don't, I become don't garbage man. We we haven't gotten that far. Also, this we guy isn't swamp thing. He's sludge from Malibu Comics. Also, we haven't gotten to the part where he's sitting in his study trying to figure out what will scare <laughs> villains, and then somebody throws a pop can through his window. <laughs> Criminals are a superstitious and extremely messy lot. Yes. <laughs> Putting the fear of God into... Uh, what's, oh, damn it. What's his name? Howie Mandel. 
<laughs> ah, oh, don't touch me. Oh, garbage man, why? The litterer ne- has come to Gotham. Next up, Tanga. Restrained is the name of the story. Oh, uh, mm. So Tanga, I have no idea who this is. Never seen her before. She's purple. She's got pointy ears. And she's wearing what appears to be electrical tape covering her no-no bits and not much else. Um, See, a Tanga is a bikini bottom that exposes the buttocks. That's true. It is. Um. So, And she is kind of wearing that. Eh. More or less. Told you. So they named she, her after underpants. She goes up. Where is the outrage? Of what? Of this girl's name the and underpants. how they have her dressed. Um, I'm guessing there's no outrage because nobody knows who she is. And that probably nobody's <laughs> read this comic. Yeah, no, nobody's read this. This is this is yeah, not, this even, is not new, even writer. This is new and unimportant. <laughs> um, but she goes up and she talks to the face of Bo. And she's like, hey, man, why isn't your boy doing stuff? And then his boy shows up and is like, hey, why don't you make out with me? And she's like, I don't want to make out with you. And he's like, you will make out with me someday, the tanga. Um, <laughs> we can call her the tanga. She sounds like the, <laughs> the chick from Boy Meets World. I want Rodrigo to just capsulate everything. So she's like, oh, Tell yeah, well. We'll be back. Okay, so there's this old guy, and he's like, oh, my sled. And then a movie goes on. <laughs> and then afterwards, you get back to it, and he, some guy is like, what would you like to have been? And he's like, everything you hate. <laughs> the end. Um, So she has work to do. She has to fight a fire-breathing monster. And the fire-breathing monster is like, and breathes fire on her. And it's fire that paralyzes her. And then the fire-breathing monster continues to eat people while they think that she is watching. It's very. It would be very depressing if I knew who she was or cared. She only first appeared, it looks like, in um, Weird Worlds, the six-issue miniseries that uh, happened right before Flashpoint, mm-hmm. or right in the middle of Flashpoint. Matthew, was, did you read any of that? Was it right like that? It- um, she also appeared in the Strange Adventures one shot a couple months ago. It's okay. She's drawn by Kevin McGuire. Yeah, the art the art for this one is cool when you get to the faces. Um, it is not always entirely consistent as to what she looks like, but she always has very human, very uh, expressive faces and without distorting her face or making her look weird. Sometimes some artists can only draw pretty, pretty girl making one face, mm-hmm. maybe two faces. Um, this guy can draw pretty, pretty girl, like actually looking <laughs> angry and annoyed and happy. Matthew, yeah. is this, like did you one, read another this? Another one of Garbage Man's villains is 19 face. Matthew, did you read this? My Greatest yeah. Adventure. Is this a continuation mm-hmm. of Weird Worlds? No. Well, no, sort of. Is this kind a of. reboot of these characters Pass. or is this? <laughs> no. Uh, I only ask because Garbage Tanga. Man and Tanga both appeared in Weird Worlds in their uh, own Tanga and stories. Garbage Man are picking up pretty much where they left off, like Batman and anyone related to Batman. But Robot Man is a complete reboot. Yeah. 
There's no there's no mention of any Doom Patrol stuff or anything like that. Um, oh, I'm sure it happened. It just happened for 10 minutes three years ago. Sure. Or, you know, or maybe it's happening right now and this was a flashback, right? Stuff like that. Well, the, the Silver Age actually happened in November of 2009. Works for me. So here's the thing. There is a preview in this book for Batman Noel, right? Yes. Um, you actually thought that it was another story. Well, it is about the pages. same. It is about yeah. the same length as the other stories. Yep. Well, maybe it's it's a little shorter. Um, and the really sad part is, otherwise it would be Baltman. Otherwise it would be what? Baltman. You said that. Batman Noel. Oh. Aha! I get it. I get <laughs> jokes. Um. So yeah, and the art looks pretty cool on that. I will be interested to pick it up from Steven's pile at some point. You may pick it up as often as you like for as long as the new issues continue to come in. Rock and roll. Which may not be for very much longer. So um, altogether, I will give my greatest adventure two slices of meatloaf. And here's why. Um, The art was good throughout. But I didn't find any of these snippets of story compelling at all. The Robot Man one almost was, but his uh, uh, oscillating emo thruster kind of uh, <laughs> kind of put me out of it. Watch out! You got to be eighteen to have one of those. Yep. Got to be um, careful. My mom the, told me if I bought an emo thruster, I'd go blind. <laughs> The the garbage man one. I mean, you know, not knowing anything, it really, really does feel like Swamp Thing. I mean, too much. <laughs> so I wasn't just no, no, no. I mean, it's you know, I mean, you get you don't get to see what turned him into garbage man, but what could it possibly be except some horrible scientific experiment gone wrong? He messed does whatever God's a garbage mode, can. God's domain. And then the Tanga one, like it's. You know, a, a cute space girl, I guess, fighting monsters. I I hate her costume, though. Like, I, you know, I, I would I, I would probably be way more into this comic if she had, like, an Adam Strange look. Right. Like, a full costume yeah, yeah, yeah. with, like, that, you know, 50 space stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, she wouldn't have to have the Finn helmet. Um, because that's proprietary, she'd get sued. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of not interested in any of these guys, which sucks, because I was like, ooh, an anthology title. I like anthology titles. It's just that this one wasn't very good. All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Rodrigo, for that. My Greatest Adventure number one came out last Anthology. Week. Matthew, let us talk about J.H. Williams and J.H. Williams and W. Hayden Blackman. In the Can pages of Batwoman number two. Sure, J.J. No, Abrams. Woman. Batman <laughs> I.N.C. Speaking of initials, Batwoman double D. Never mind. So Batwoman's back after being uh, solicited and then not solicited and then solicited and then not solicited and solicited and then not solicited. I honestly didn't think the Batwoman series was ever going to come out. And then it did. And it was okay. Issue one was actually one of my favorite of last month's New 52. Thus 
comes issue two. I've always said that the real test of the new 52 is not going to be how well the first issue sells. Not even going to be how well the second issue sells. It's how well the third issue sells based on how good the second issue was. Batwoman number two opens in full fistfight mode and J.H. Williams just going bonkers all over the page. Batwoman and her sidekick, Plebe, more on that later, uh, the artist formerly known as uh, Flamebird, are fighting a bunch of goons, and they just seem to be a bunch of goons. There's no real explanation of who they are. But every time there's an impact, Williams does this really cool kind of X-ray thing. So Plebe elbows a guy, and it looks like it breaks his arm, and you see an X-ray of the damage. And Batwoman punches a guy and kicks another guy. And each time there's an impact, you get this really cool kind of 3D X-ray maneuver. And they fighty, 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 and they talk about the fact that Batman showed up last month and invited her to join Batman Incorporated. Now, I have a question for you, Stephen. Have you read this issue? No, I haven't. In fact, I still have yet to get around to Batwoman number one. So on page I, I do three, know, there's this. Go ahead. Yes. I, I was going to say, no. I do know that I, Batwoman has basically told Plebe, you're not ready for this. And Plebe is like, no, yeah. please, let me be, let me be part of your weird, crazy well, team. Hey, please, there's, Batwoman. There's one of these. <laughs> please, Batwoman, why you got to be they pushing me away? And why are you pining for that woman with no face? All right, stop. Now, <laughs> page three and four, a double page spread that talks about Batman Inc. And you got a picture of Batman Inc. And there's like uh, the, the, the gaucho and Batman and Batgirl and Black right. Canary and right. the Knight and the Squire and he, big chief men of bats. Right. There's a guy in a hat who looks like the gray ghost from the Batman animated series in between the Knigget and he, big chief men of bats. And I can't figure out who this guy is. Oh, let me find it. Everyone out. else on the page I can identify. He's an old photograph of Phantom Stranger. (laughs) That's what it is. But what's fascinating about this is since this was actually drawn, written and drawn before the reboot, this page initially contains uh, Dick Grayson as Batman and Tim in his Red Robin Yelm guys pre-crisis and Azrael and Lady Blackhawk. But in this two-page spread, they're all kind of fuzzed out. Okay, now here's the interesting thing, Matthew. Let me let me ask you this. Batman number Batwoman number two. Okay. What page? Tell me again what page. Three. No, not in my copy. What? My copy okay. goes page one. Uh, X-ray vision as Batwoman is pumping the guy. Double page spread where she's right. kicking the guy in the teeth. Page four, right. another That's... double page spread where the fisticuffs go and and uh, you know, what's your you know face how that is doing a high page kick. Spread on issue two has a second page. That's yes. page three. No, 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 no. Listen. Then it goes okay. to another single page where it looks like Plebe is running in the snowy meadow, and then it goes to a got milk ad, followed by more conversation in the snow, followed by Arkham City the album now available. There is no. There is no Batman advertisement in my in my copy. It's it's not an advertisement. It's it's page three. Right. It's the, where they're the having a conversation where, about. Oh, you because the way you made it sound is like there is a there is an ad. That's what the way you made it sound. No, no, the person on the far left. The person on no. the far left. Oh, oh, Phantom no. Stranger. That's the question. That's Phantom Stranger. 
Why is Phantom Stranger part of Batman Incorporated? Oh, it might not be Phantom Stranger. What's the name of that guy with the guns who looks like Phantom Stranger? Oh, the Avenger? Yeah. Is that him? The Could Crimson be. Avenger? Yeah, Crimson Avenger. Okay. All right, let's call it the Crimson Avenger. Awesome. Is he crimson? So, no, he's gray. Everybody's gray. gray ah, oh, I see. Bat, Bat I thought you were talking about an ad. My bad. Fighty, fighty. She's fighty-fighting. And she and Plebe fighty-fighty. And then we come to the interesting part for me. J.H. Williams used to draw a book called in the 90s called Chase, mm-hmm. which is about a woman named, oddly enough, Chase, who was an agent of the DEO. She shows up in this issue seeking out Batwoman. And she finds the most likely candidate to be Batwoman. And she corners her and she says, I think you're her. And the woman says, no, I'm not. And Chase says, well, I think you are. And the woman says, no, I'm not. And it turns out she's not because the woman she's messing with is actually Maggie Sawyer of Gotham Central. Mm-hmm. Now, I will give her, I will give Angela Chase credit. She's in the right ballpark because it turns out Maggie Sawyer is actually dating Kate Kane, who is Batwoman. There's an interesting moment in the middle of the book where they are on a date. Wait, and it's not as book, awkward or? as it should be. <laughs> Chata. Not, not speaking to you. In the middle of the book where they're on a date. And again, it's another one of those gorgeous two-page spreads that only J.H. Williams can ever pull off. And when he leaves this book, I'm afraid that this book is going to go straight down the toilet because it's not going to look like this. But the date is actually really sweet and really nice. And at the end of the date, Maggie Sawyer gets called to a crime scene. And Batwoman is there also. And it's, you know, it's quite obvious that something really awful is going on here. And there's some sort of gang war thing and it's Gotham City and there's big fighty fighty. But we get to see something that I don't think I've ever seen in all the years that I've seen Maggie Sawyer as a supported character. We get to see her being a cop and a good cop because she does that that uh, criminal minds thing where she walks through the middle of this dead crime scene. And the art is really fascinating because she describes what she thinks happens. And the art does that weird kind of time frame where you see what she is seeing and what she's claiming. And she's dead solid perfect. She explains everything that happened in this little crime war thing. It was a fun And then, of course, fight. Bruce Wayne is there. We get to the end of the issue, and uh, Batwoman is attacked by the villainess, who is uh, Leorina. Yorena? Yorana? I don't know. The Crying Woman. I don't know what her deal is, and they really don't go into it. This book reads really fast. Rodrigo joked about the reading the, the book three times. I have read this book several times. I read it once just looking at the pictures and just going, wow, look at the pictures. And then I read it once for comprehension to go, okay, this is where the story is. But I got about halfway through and I went, wow, look at that picture. And it's not even, it's not even kind of a, you know, what I, I, I shouldn't refer to as that xenoscope thing where you're like, that sure is a pretty girl, teehee. This is something where the, the choreography, the bodies, the body language, everything in this book is just beautiful to look at. Still my favorite book of the relaunch, or at least tied for my favorite book of the relaunch. This issue, four and a half slices of meatloaf, just based on the fact that it's so gorgeous and the main character is so messed up and so wrong. But when she goes into action, you're still like, yes, go, Batwoman, go. 
It's the the experience that people keep telling me they have with Batman, where they're like, he's just a human being, man. You want her to succeed. You want her romance to succeed. You want everything to work out. It's time! (laughs) Usually you try to let Matthew talk a little bit more, and then you interrupt him. With uh, just the, that, that little bit that, that you uh, do. So, I'm, I'm new. Oh, you're this. new into this? Okay. All right. So now it is time for the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Would you like to do Poll of the Week in Spanish? Do it all in Spanish for us, Ryder. Go, come on, monkey, perform. Fine, fine. <laughs> Let me put this down. Let's get into my... Es la hora, es la hora. Señoras y señores, esta es la hora de que nosotros les preguntamos una cosa a ustedes y ustedes nos contestan y a veces leemos lo que ustedes nos contestan. En esta esquina está el señor Mixis Pitlick. <risa> Un enano poderoso de la quinta dimensión. En la otra esquina está el peor personaje creado jamás. El Batmite. <risa> Si estos dos pequeños pugilistas se pelearan, ¿quién ganaría? Dime tú, dime tú ahora o nunca me digas nada. Uno, dos, tres, go. Uh, honestly, Rodrigo, I went with Batmite. Mm-hmm. For one reason, and actually one of, uh, when the, this is Because actually a poll of the Batman week. Batman and all things No, Batman. no, no, no. This was actually a poll of the week that was suggested. I went over to uh, Twitter uh, today and said, hey, time to throw out major spoilers, uh, Polls of the week ideas, the best one's going to get a prize. Mm-hmm. So somebody had mentioned, hey, who's, uh, you know, more of a problem, Batmite or um, uh, uh, Mixiel's Mix- Pitlick? And I started thinking, oh, what would be a really good example of why Batmite is better is Batman the Brave and the Bold. And sure enough, somebody in the comment section pointed out to this very same issue. Mixiel's Pitlick is really into... Um, really into just causing havoc for Superman and just yeah, kind of giving yeah, him yeah. grief. Batmite is kind of an idiot uh, when it comes to trying to be a, a fanboy for Batman, mm-hmm. and yet he puts Batman in more danger right. than Mixiel Spitlick. Uh, and the one in question Mixiel is... Um, the one in question is... Crap it, now I forgot what the name of the, uh, the episode was. Uh, King Joker, where Batmite accidentally gives... All of his power to Joker, hmm. and he does the whole Emperor Joker thing, and ends up killing Batman again and again and again and again, purely for the pleasure of the Joker. And because of that, I think Batmite is the bigger Bennis hmm. of them all. Matthew, go. Oh, you're wrong. And here's why. <laughs> oh, I'm sure in you're going to say that. In the 1960s. Even though I remember watching ba- uh, Superman the Animated Series, and they clearly said Mixiel Spitlick to pronounce the Mix name. Mixiel Spitlick. Mixiel Spitlick. It should be noted that if you watch the old Super Friends cartoon, they pronounced it Mixelplick. Yeah, also Mixelplick. wrong. Mixiel Spitlick. Now, if you were in the pre-crisis DC universe, which was once known as Earth 2, they actually pronounce it Muxus Polk, but they actually pronounce it a little different as well. Neither here nor there. Back in the 1960s, there was a cartoon where Adam West actually voiced Batman. It was called The New Adventures of Batman. Turns out, except for the Batman part, it was none of those things. And Batmite appeared in this cartoon as voiced by Lenny Weinrib, one of the greatest voice actors in the world. And he's the guy who sounds like this. And I was like, wow, this guy is kind of cool. 
And then, of course, I started reading old comics, and I'm like, hey, this guy's not cool at all. But for me, I had to choose based on my usual criteria. And my usual criteria break down to three things. Who looks cooler? And in this case, you know, aside from the horrible picture you picked. Please, these are both animated series versions of these characters. Mixius Pitalik actually looks funny. He looks goofy. Secondly, voiced by uh, 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 what's his name? Gilbert Uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried. Yes. So I think about who has had more stories that I enjoy. And of course, I think about Batman Might Fall, which was pretty awesome. And I think about the Batman of Zura and R in the middle of RIP, which was pretty awesome. And then I start thinking about all the really awesome Mixius Pitalik stories. And I think about the end of Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, where Mixius Pitalik ripped himself open and he was like, did you really think that a fifth dimensional entity would look like a funny man in a bowler hat? And then, of course, I went for the third criteria, and this is always my my real deal breaker, is who came first. Batmite was a cold-blooded attempt to cash in on Mixius Pitalik because of the sort of friendly rivalry between the editorial Superman and editorial Batman teams. So I went with Mixius Pitalik simply because it's fun to keep saying Mixius Pitalik. And also Mixius Pitalik got my vote. Rodrigo, solve the controversy. Um, well... Stop saying controversy! Really, I, I mean, for for me, I hate them both. <laughs> Yay! Because, because they're, they're, they're conducive to a, a type of storytelling that I, I really don't like. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like seeing this omnipotent jerkwad who may or may not be an idiot and our, our, our hero cleverly tricked them. There are stories like this... Mm-hmm. In the Thousand and One Nights, we have seen this story literally for thousands of years. Right, right. And it's annoying to me. Now, uh, of course, uh, in the spirit of the thing, trying to pretend like I don't hate um, things, uh, I would have to go with uh, Mixus Pitalik. And that is probably for the reason that it'll bring us full circle around, because I was talking about Howie Mandel earlier, and... He played Mr. Mixus Pitalik in uh, The New Adventures of Lois and Clark. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot about that. There you go. That's pretty cool. All right. There you go. Here we go into the uh, into the comment section. Uh, let's see. Whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, need I say more? Uh, says Rico. Uh, though someone comments back that uh, Superman didn't die, unlike Emperor Joker and Brave and the Bold, where Batman died again and again and again. Hmm. Uh, Monty says, I went with Batmite because I can spell it. And you have to appreciate those characters who end up being formidable despite their inherent lack of cunning. Um, ba, 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 ba. Belmont with Mitzkiel Spitalik. Uh, the main reason for my vote is he's the one who has a woman that loves him without too much question in Batman the Animated Series, which is true. Drawn very hot. Ms. Splitnik, she's actually yes. from the Silver Age. Yes. Uh, Atomic Knight says, I voted for Mr. M. Andreas says, went with Batmite. No one can mess up an otherwise perfect episode of a good <laughs> TV show like that. Little bu- bugger. Uh, hate Batmite with a passion. Although if it wasn't, and I wonder if he's talking about Batman Brave and the Bold, because if it wasn't for Batmite, you wouldn't have the awesome episode where you look at Batman and, like, and all the, and, and all the different versions. Yeah. And so you get uh, 
yeah. Lord Deathman episode, and you get Batman and Scooby Doo yeah. and all of that stuff. When they actually sat and they animated the entire Harvey Kurtzman Bat Batboy yeah, yes. and Reuben thing yes. from Mad Magazine in 1957, that was amazing. And if you go and look, it's it's a panel for panel recreation of that comic strip in animated form. Nice. It's awesome. Yeah. So it really is awesome. Matthew, how did the rest of the major spoilerite nation vote? I got 272 spoilerites voting, a whopping 72% choosing Mr. Mixie's Pitalik over the Batmite, who again, I think it's because Batmite's picture, but that's just me. In any case, um, about three to one, honestly. Yeah. Of people about. leaning. And yeah, I don't know if people, some people are probably voting this as Superman versus Batman. I well, would say they didn't follow the instructions. They didn't follow the directions. Well, actually, so we have to discount all now, of the Mixiel Spitalik votes. Batmite <sighs> wins. Moving on. Here's the thing: talking about <laughs> talking about people voting uh, for the for the parent franchise. Right. Um, somebody on Twitter brought up why isn't Impossible Man? He's not. Why? He's not in this question that was he's brought not, up by the winner. He and he's not a fifth dimensional imp. But the no, only reason. Not. We Why? didn't put Johnny, Th- or uh, was it Johnny Thunder? Isn't he also well, fifth yeah, dimension imp? Uh, no. No, not, I mean, not uh, Johnny, Johnny Thunder. Uh, is, Johnny is Thunder's Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt, was Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt is from the fifth fifth dimension. Um, here's so, the thing. The only reason why Impossible Man less, yeah. was probably even brought up is that weird connection where people were saying that Impossible Man and, and Mixus Pitalik are the same person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that Mixus Pitalik goes into the Marvel Universe as Impossible Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the even in in most stories that still doesn't make any sense within within the the impossible man uh, stories I don't think I mean where does that even originate Do you know Matthew That I believe is from and I want to say it's an early a late eighties early nineties issue of Superman itself where he turns himself green and talks about going to torture the Fantastic Four I want to mm-hmm. say it's either a John Byrne or a Jerry Ordway issue but. That was actually a joke that was made, a meta joke that was made on panel by the DC right. creators. So there but you go. You That's why Impossible Men like isn't on the list. Sure, sure. Uh, you know what? We and do that. not have any voicemails this week. <gasps> and you know why? Because I scared I them away with my uh, Mexican wrestling announcer I, I voice. I loved it. You know, uh, Rodrigo, we got a little reader there for, for the recording break. Maybe it's because people don't know the phone number. Perhaps you could... You could uh, once again make the women melt <laughs> with your language of love. That's Italian. Not the way Rodrigo does it. No, the way, heard, I, the, the way I do Italian is awful. <laughs> Spanish is the language of food from a truck. <laughs> uh, wow. Racism. Wow. Wow, Matthew. Usually I edit out all your racist comments, but not this time. <laughs> Rodrigo, please. Jerk. All right, so wait, I need to write down the phone number because I don't, I only remember it in English. You can always throw it to Matthew. Siete ocho cinco. Siete dos siete. Yes. Novo <laughs> siete. Diez y nueve. 
Escuchen, amigos y amigas, que nos oyen en esta radiodifusora. El teléfono que ustedes pueden llamar para el podcast de los Major Spoilers es 785-727-1939. 785-727-1939. Instituto Nacional del Consumidor. And for those of you that need an English translation, here is Walter Cronkite. Lachaya. <laughs> 785-727-1939. A major spoilers meant no disrespect. Hotline. <laughs> This week, oh, you know, there's a movie coming out on 11-11-11. November 11th, 2011. It's called Immortals. Based on a comic book by Archaea Entertainment. Are you that sure? That is Are you sure book. it's not a comic book based on a movie? Actually, it's a comic book based on Greek mythology. And I'm sure Rodrigo has a lot of things to say about this. Mm -hmm. If Rodrigo hated Clash of the Titans, I'm sure he's got a lot of well, things it was, to say about this. It was a stupid Kraken. It it's actually the comic book came out first and then that was sold and turned into the movie. Was it? That's weird. Because is it this one? This it feels this like one. a prequel. Because this really yeah. feels like a prequel to a movie. Well, yeah, this is. This, let me just tell this you this. Feels like there are certain companies it. out there, uh -huh. and I'm not going to name names, but there are certain companies out there that create comic books specifically uh, to as, sell as them to movie, for, uh, movies. for movies. Now, I'm not saying a certain Harrison Ford James Bond movie this summer wasn't made into a comic book specifically to be sold into a movie, but it was. Mm. And I'm not saying that there isn't a another company that uh, has got a bunch of futuristic, sometimes zombie tale books that are being turned into movies, but there is. Mm. And I'm not saying that another company that has little mice running around in a certain year wouldn't make a movie or make a comic book that could be turned into a movie. Ah, oh, that's different. But here we have Immortals. Gods yeah, this is, and heroes. This is not. This is not a comic book made into a movie. This is a comic book made to support movie. Uh, this is actually. Um, this is actually the first volume because there is more uh, that has not been released or collected yet, and I have a feeling that this was smashed together in time for the movie, mm -hmm. so people could read this and get into it. So, Rodrigo, you Hello. being of. Greek myth aficionado. Right. Or what would you be? Somebody who loves... Would you be aficionado? Sure. You'd be a Greek mythologist? I, w I don't think I'm a mythologist. Okay. Give us a breakdown. I don't it's not a word. Yeah. <laughs> it's our new yeah, word. You, you made that. It's our new word. It's your new Rodrigo, word. Rodrigo, break us down what's going on in, uh, in this uh, trade. Okay. So this trade is a series of... I would say loosely connected stories mm -hmm. about the Olympians and the eventual rise of human heroes. Mm -hmm. um, it borrows heavily from Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. It has some boobies in it. Yes, it does. And it leads you basically to the doorstep of the movie, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. It sets up all the all the rules and all the reasons as to why stuff in the movie is going to take place. Okay. We've got, uh, this book is divided, it's uh, 100 plus pages, divided into two sections, gods and heroes. And in the gods section, 
we learn about the rise of the Olympians. We learn how Zeus didn't rip his way out of his father's stomach. Or actually, head, I think. out of his head, yeah. Actually, that's, that's, that would be the Roman Saturn. It came out of his father's head. That would be the, the Roman version. I thought it was the Greek version who leapt from Zeus's head. It's that, all confusing because this is where we don't get, we don't get, um, you know, what we would quote unquote say accurate portrayals of these characters. You know, right. uh, instead of devouring his children, Cronos mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, throws him into a deep pit. But then uh, Zeus's mother, was it Athena? Sends her son no. away to live among man. No, it's not Athena. Oh, who's the, uh, who's the. Uh, they call her like Theia or something. Isn't it Gaia? Okay. Uh, no, that's the see. world. Anyway, sends him to live among man. Zeus learns of his destiny, comes back and kills Kronos. Rhea. Rhea is what they call her. Frees his brothers and sisters from the pit who are still alive, and they ascend to Mount Olympus where they will oversee the world. Mm-hmm. But the Titans still walk among the earth. Yes. And they're at battle, and man is caught in the middle. An ongoing battle. We're also introduced to Prometheus. Mm-hmm. One of the evil titans. Yeah, this is the one where I was like, "Wait a minute!" Uh, it was awesome. That it, it's an awesome exchange between Prometheus and Zeus in this in this story, where Zeus is like, "Prometheus, you got to stop being so mean to mankind." And Prometheus is like, "They are stupid. They don't deserve anything." And I'm like, I I really hope. Like after reading that exchange, I was like, I really hope that 200 years from now, and whatever media is is popular. There will be a story about this tyrannical alien coming down to Earth and blasting everybody with his beams, and this lone human, Lex Luthor, who will like <laughs> stood against stood him. against him, <laughs> probably by dressing himself up as a Martian manhunter. Yeah, because let's why not just throw a couple more things in there, right? Well, he would be a Martian manhunter. He'd be a man Martian hunter. Yes, that's what they would call that's, him. That's what, which is the reason why he wears blue shorts and a. Uh, and and just a, the yes a strap yes because he came from Mars yep yes um this is the one that I was just like wait a minute I could I now, could forgive the little changes that went on right right because you to, can't to just the talk story. you can't just talk about Zeus I mean Chronos uh, eating his children and right. then they come back out and fine you, you can't have all the relationships because pretty sure in most accounts that that are you know sound. Hera and Zeus are brother and sister, right? As well as husband and wife. Right. So some things are just not going to fly, right? But Prometheus, um, yeah, everyone I, knows that Prometheus brought fire to man, to, to man stole right. fire from the gods, right? And here he's an evil titan. Yeah. Now there, there is a shout out in this to the original mythology, sort of in that. The chosen way of Prometheus to torture people is to tie them to a mm-hmm. rock and have vultures eat their enemies, right. which is, right. once Prometheus brought fire to men, the way that the gods punished him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It was which, pretty pretty odd. Which, which, to me, it's funny because that, to me, says that the writers are saying, yes, we know the real mythology, but we're still ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was, I don't know, uh, that was the the weirdest thing, especially mm-hmm. to say Prometheus. You could have used any of the other Titans in this, and it would have been okay. Well, and, and here's the thing. We had a whole show a while back right. where I basically went on this tirade of, 
why even use those names to begin with? Right. Why not just make a movie that borrows heavily from Greek mythology? Mm -hmm. And people will say, oh, you know what? This reminds me of the story of Prometheus or Mm -hmm. the story of Persephone or the story of whatever you want. Use different names. Yeah, do your... Yeah, this reminds me of uh, Damocles' sword or uh, Ariadne's web or some crap like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. (laughs) Um, Occam's razor. Who cares? But yeah, uh, and just make your own characters, make them do their own thing, and just have your own story. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of what they're trying to do, but they just use those names and they just use them wrong. Why even use the names to begin with? Mm -hmm. Right? Because Greek mythology buffs are going to look at this and say. This is wrong. Right. People who don't know Greek mythology are not going to care either way. Right. Right? I mean, yeah, they might have heard the name Zeus and Apollo, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but have they heard the name Hyperion before? Probably not. Yeah, they have. They've heard it in the Squadron Supreme, where it's the name of the Superman analog. (laughs) Which is is another great thing. That's another good one, where it's like... And now there's this big, and they make this huge point is like, he is not a god. He is not a titan. He is a man. Right. His name is Hyperion. Right. I'm like, really? They have to go with Hyperion. Fill listeners in. Well, Hyperion was a titan. Okay. They should have reversed right. that. But so was. They could have so made Prometheus. Prometheus the. They could have made Prometheus right. the, 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 the man. The, the man. But he's also the. Like, they're both villains. Right. I guess. I don't know. Sort it's of. just like. I wish that they had just come up with new names. They should have just done what they did with the mummy and the scorpion king, mm-hmm. where they called it like the the big um, bad guy's name is like Memnon, right. which like is reminiscent of Agamemnon, right? But it's, right. it's not really his name. Like this is a part of history that was lost, right? Nobody knows about this stuff. Right. <laughs> well, Zeus has had enough of this crazy torture of the humans, right? And so he and his brother Poseidon go down to visit Hades. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's kind of missing here is I was like, I wish they would have gotten to the point where they explained why Hades was underground and Poseidon got the, you know, they had to draw lots to see who was going to get what. Right. right. But they don't go into that. They go down and they see Hades and they learn that it's a weird trippy place. And they say, we've got to find some way of defeating the Titans. And Hades says, I will do what you want. But you have to do something for me. No questions asked. I will build you a giant prison cage thing. Yep. That will freak people's minds out when you throw them in there, and they go and they catch. Uh, they go and catch one of the. Or they go Oceanos. and catch Oceanus. Right. Throw him in, and they're like, "Hmm, this is gonna be a pretty pretty good deal there, uh, Hades. You're gonna keep him down here, buried beneath the earth, where no one will find him or remember him. Sure. And someday I will claim a bride, anyone I want, and you can say not, 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 because mm. it was the nineties. <laughs> it was. Let me get into Wayne an interesting story with Ares. Mm-hmm. Matthew, you want to give Garfield. us the uh, the breakdown of the bow bearer? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so Ares, right? He's this evil guy thing, right? And he manages, and I think I've got this right, so stay with me. He manages to convince them, uh, to convince some of his brothers and siblings and such, to... The thing, and they build a weapon, and it's the Epicurean bow, well, perhaps. Yes. Here's here's the cool thing. Ares goes to 
Cyclops, Cyclopolis, or whatever his name yeah. is. Cyclopolis. Okay, so so maybe maybe they shouldn't do that thing that I suggested, <laughs> where they take something and just change the name, stupid. Because yeah, because I'm this, like, why is this? Why is this not? Uh, what's his face? Vulcan of the right. Forge here, right? Well, and and they do explain that they're like, well, why don't you just go to um, what's his face, uh, Hephaestus? Yeah. And he's like, well, because he's a god and he's got an interest in this and you got a different interest. But honestly, calling the guy, from what I can read, Cyclopes just sounds like... Cyclope. You know, just, yeah, it just sounds like the other branch of my right, family right, right. where on this side we're like the Lopez Ramirez's and on the other side we're the Lopez Loyola's <laughs> and then on the other one is the Lopez Cyclopes. <laughs> Cyclopes yes. C- actually wrestled for both AAA and WCW back in the 1990s, as you may remember. Nice. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the Titans Damian 666. The Titans and the, and the Olympian gods are fighting with one another, yet Ares just walks into mm-hmm. Cyclops's, uh house and it's like hey you're a titan you're chained up you're making weapons for the titans why don't you just make us an ultimate weapon instead maybe you'll get your freedom if you help us uh get the advantage well okay i could do that but i'm gonna need the the branch from this tree that has all of zeus's power in it right Which, and, it, and it then he a, builds uh, that uh, branch <laughs> well see and that's ahead. that's the weird there, there are so many little weirdnesses to this story so he's like okay here's what i want you to do i want you to get hercules Zeus's son to break that branch right so all of a sudden i'm like wait what like hercules is in this movie yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that's it's a, a huge book. deal it's a book, by the way yeah i know i, I didn't mean i didn't mean the movie i'm, I'm saying yeah, it's yeah. like the gopher right, from right. winnie the pooh you know right, it's like right, i'm right. not actually in this story right 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 like, all of a sudden it's like what right. it's like that's a huge deal hercules is an important character like, he's got his own Marvel book, dude. Ask Amadeus Cho. <laughs> so so that's one weird thing, right? Where it's like, oh, wait, no one ever touched on the fact that sometimes gods have babies with mortals. They, they did which, say... Which is, if it's an introductory thing, you would right. go into it. They did say somewhere in, in that bit, um, Ben Templesmith did the art on this, by the way, mm-hmm. um, on this chapter. Uh, it, it, at one point, uh, Ares, and I forget one of his other... Bronies are, are having a having a discussion. They're like, you know, if one of us does this, Zeus is going to be mighty pissed at us. Right. I know. Let's get Mikey to do it. Mikey. And they basically say he's the bastard son of Zeus. Zeus won't. I mean, he's a he's a he's a man, you know, half man. Zeus isn't going to be <laughs> mad at him. Yep. And of so, course, Zeus or uh, Hercules comes off as kind of a dimwish. Yeah. Which, if you read some, like, you know, in, in, in a lot of the, I'm not going to say original stories, because again, these things have been warped through Right, time. right. But in some of the yeah. stories about Hercules, he he kind of was a dick. Right. You know, I mean, and he has, he you know, Hercules in the old stories has an arc mm-hmm. in which he does start out young and brash and right. then goes crazy and murders his wife. Right. And then, you know, it changes him. <laughs> hey, maybe I should murder my wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> I should I should I should make different choices in yeah. my life. So Hercules basically crafts this bow out of this magic tree and then they take it to Cyclopes to finish, finish it. it. Yeah, yeah. So I basically guess. Hercules yes. kind of 
does the beginning of it, right. roughs it out, and then Hercules takes it to rips, rips it down, and then Cyclope actually hammers it because that's what you do with wood into yeah, a bow. It, the the whole forge <laughs> thing didn't didn't make any sense because yeah, yeah. that's that's well, really not how you make you know, bows. You can add metal like uh, yeah. things to wooden bows, but it really is a minor part of that process. Really, you need like a lot of glue I, and horn. But he infuses it I with the, the magic of Zeus to create but, the, no, but that's see, what that's the that's arrow tree. thing. The tree already has the magic of Zeus. That's why the tree is important. And I think the implication is that the wood being imbued with the power of Zeus was kind of like metal. But what he forges it into is a modern compound bow, which I really love. And mm-hmm. then they fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. Fight, 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 fight. And Ares ironically, gets to be the one who ends war, even though he is the god of war. That I liked. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was the nice twist, too, because uh, Ares is using this bow. It was going to be given to Apollo, but Ares is like, why should you get the glory? This bow can't miss. Boom, 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 pew, 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 pew. And then Zeus shows up and says, who dares steal a branch from my tree? And Ares is like, hey, uh, but I ended the war. You're right. There's no more reason for war. Wah, wah, wah. You can almost <laughs> hear the horn Not right. at the end of that arc. And then we get to see the adventures of Randy the Ram Robinson <laughs> in the year 1212. If man is still alive. Uh, so we do, get, we do get this arc uh, of... Humans have now, for centuries, been allowed to do on their own destiny. Mm-hmm. Zeus has said, no more interference from the gods. Let them do their own thing. They will become great. And as we've always known, when you leave man to his own devices... It turns out it was man! F- <laughs> he'll F it up. And that's the case with, uh, what's his face? Hyperion. 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 Who, by the way, is not a man. He's a titan. Well, in, in this, not in this in one, this he's not. In this one, he's a man. I, I'm just saying, historically speaking. Sure, sure. I oh well, we we pretty much set forth a long time ago that. Yes, well, all of the history is not with if the you, first if you, time they told these lies. Hyperion was a titan. This time they're telling the lies, and Hyperion is a professional wrestler. Right. But. Um, he wants to conquer the world, unite everybody under him so he can go to war against the gods. The end. Right. Kill, kill, kill anybody in his path. Slash bring slash. forth, bring forth people that can help him in his uh, job to bring down the gods. And Zeus says, hey, you know what? Maybe I screwed up. Maybe my non-interference was too interfering. Let me disguise myself as an old man and walk amongst the humans once more. And find a boy named Theseus that I can train. Theseus. Yep. And so he does. I wrote a master's Theseus once. I'm sure you did. But Theseus's part of the story is actually one of the more skillfully done parts of the story, especially the part where the early on, of course, we're seeing Zeus's perspective. And it's a really interesting bit where he's talking about how you know, he can see people's past and their future and the destiny that they should have. 
Right. And for a moment, he's talking about, you know, random characters should have become this and Theseus should become this. I kind of like that bit. And then, of course, we, you know, that was kind of interesting. And then it kind of turns into kind of standard issue swords and sorcery stuff for me. But, right. You know, yeah, there was a great line. Um, there was a great, great bit where he's saying, hey, this man would have become a doctor and he would have healed many people. And this man, if he would have been allowed to live, would have become a great sculptor. And this guy would have been a farmer. Would have, would have, been, would have been a quiet <laughs> yeah. farmer. Would have been a quiet farmer. Yeah. It's sad that he didn't get to be a quiet farmer. <laughs> yeah. And Hyperion, Hyperion would always have been a douche. But... <laughs> and the, then finally we're introduced to the Minotaur. Yeah, we sure are. Right, and and uh, well, since uh, since we're pointing out problems, of course, uh, Theseus himself in in the stories is a demigod. Right. Um, right. I th- I think he's uh, he's he's I think he's either Zeus's or Poseidon's son. Um, Theseus. Yeah, I thought he was the he was the. F- yeah. He's the guy who founded Athens. Dads. No, Theseus had two daddies, like the girl from that Greg Evigan sitcom, because Poseidon was his daddy and the guy with Aegeus. the ocean. Aegeus, Aegeus. Yeah. Mm. Aegeus yeah. was also his, his father, yeah. But Theseus oh. was kind of so like Hercules. So, so apparently Theseus' mom slept with both of these yes. guys in the same night. The right. whore. Right. But but Mori Povich <laughs> didn't exist back then, so we never figure right, out. So there was nowhere to tell. Right. My two dads. <laughs> but All right. uh, Theseus is basically is basically the kind of a Hercules equivalent. He's like if you're thinking Marvel Universe, Theseus is like Thor, sort of kind of only not. Hmm. He's in that same ballpark. Right, right. So yeah, oh, then right. there's a then there's a mean guy, and he's basically yeah. a psychopath, a beefy psychopath, and he kills lots right. of things. And then Hyperion shows up, and he's like, "I want you to wear a wicker bullhead." And he's like, "You mean like in that Nicolas Cage movie?" And he's like, "No, no, not like oh, that at all." <laughs> <laughs> this will be good. <laughs> uh. I think right, that, so. that last story is what what threw me because we have this whole bit where the Minotaur is kind of wandering around and doing his Minotaur thing, and it 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 starts to be set up as like a tragedy. It's a tragedy that people misunderstand the Minotaur. But wait, is he really crazy? Oh, he's kind of crazy. But it's a tragedy that people. No, wait, no, he's crazy. Now he's going to murder thousands of people, and it's. I, I guess I'm not well, I, I'm, I'm not the guy who sits down and, and really analyzes this, but the the Minotaur being this psychotic killer with two cleavers is very, you know, Carrie Elways and Saw kind of for me. It's a very modern kind of concept to stick in the middle of all this, you know, pseudo uh, mythological claptrap. So does this make you want to see the movie? Because that's ideally what this ends up becoming. Oh, God, no. No. Why this not? This makes me Let want me to stay far away. Partly because 
like I said at the beginning, this feels like a lead up to everything that's in the movie. Based on reading all of this, I kind of feel like one of two things is going to happen if I go see the movie. Either I'm going to go into the movie and it's going to be filled with all of these, you know, references and, and bits and pieces of things that aren't explained anywhere but in the source material here. Or mm-hmm. worse, I'm going to have read all of this. I'm going to, I'm going to have forced myself to read 125 pages of basically this backstory. And it's I, just going to be a Michael Bay slash fest. And I'm not going to need to have sat and actually forced myself to read all of this. You know, if they have, just, if they have this, this stuff in the movie, I have a feeling it's going to be mm-hmm. about five minutes of the movie. Oh, I don't think this stuff's going to be in the movie. You don't think any of it's going to be in there? I'm sure there will be like a brief reference to it. There'll be like, and here's the Minotaur. We know that the uh, the bow and arrow thing makes an appearance. If you've seen the trailer, it's in there. Right. And we know the costume design is all in there. And they totally set it up. They they basically say, only Zeus can open this, the the Titan box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Right. Somebody wielding Suze's power can also open the Titan box right. and the bow has Suze's power. They basically set that up for you, which is which has to be in the movie at this point. Right, 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 right. Or possibly the sequel that they're already making. Rodrigo, right. you want to go see the movie? Origin of the Minotaur. I, I, have you I, seen the trailer? I have seen the trailer. I I do want to go see the movie and, and I this comic has prepared me for it in this way. Good or bad. I know I know that there's going to be a lot of references to Greek mythology, which are going to be slightly to three hundred miles off <laughs> from the original or, or, or the, the, the group of stories that I'm familiar with. Um so knowing that, I can go in and watch this movie and divorce myself of that uh of all of those things mm-hmm. um and then go enjoy what is going to be basically 190 minutes of pure action and some boobies presumably hopefully um let's say you are i don't want to put people down mm-hmm. let's say you're the average moviegoer mm-hmm. you're probably i'm shaped like the average moviegoer <laughs> You are probably not up on your Greek mythology. Right. And so anything presented in this comic book and anything presented in the movie, you could take it face value and go, man, Hyperion was one badass human. He Mm -hmm. took it to the gods and put them in their place. Right. Not knowing. And Prometheus, I'm glad he's dead. What did he ever do to us except tie us to rocks and kill us? Right. So, in a way, if you don't know anything, yeah, that's what I was wondering, because, you know, if you just know nothing about this, and you go in and you read this book, and you know nothing about the the characters, uh, you know, going into this movie then and finding out what what happens next, does that diminish the overall enjoyment for the average person? I've always always kind of likened it to, you know, what Rodrigo was saying, is I believe that... The current take on mythology is basically people 2,000 years from us talking about the great pantheon of, you know, the the triumvirate of Popeye, Superman, and Cartman. You know, it's something that they've taken lots of these different stories from these different places and put them together. I mean, I don't have a problem so much with having the Minotaur 
have you know differences from the historical Minotaur or people seeing this and going, yep, that's what Prometheus was all about. Because honestly, mm-hmm. I would say even I can't tell you a whole lot about Prometheus other than he was Atlas's brother and he stole fire and he's got a really great name that they keep stealing for superheroes. Mm-hmm. But I think what it comes down to really is are people going to want to go see this movie? Yes. And I'll tell you why. It looks like 300. This is, I mean, this is probably, well, and it looks, but I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of basically, it looks like 300. It it may be a little different, but I bet, you know, the cinematography and everything that I've seen in that Mm -hmm. trailer makes it look a little bit like 300. And 300, we're watching the trailer right now. It's very reminiscent of 300. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, the 300 was not at all historically accurate. No, and right. now, if you point that out, people look at you like you're the douchebag who walked around for the all of the year 2000 saying it's not the new millennium until December 31st. You know, there's always going to be the person who says that's not right. I went and I saw Sherlock Holmes with someone who loves Sherlock Holmes. Hated, hated, hated the movie. I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. I didn't think it was good Sherlock Holmes. But right. I watched it and I went, yep, uh, that sure was Iron Man playing house. And that's, I think, is what it's going to break down to with this. People aren't going to go, well, Theseus wasn't really like, well, some people are, but the vast majority of people aren't going to go, Theseus wasn't really like that. They're going to go, that was an interesting movie, or that was not a good movie. It was a ripoff of Clash of the Titans, or why is Randy the Ram Robinson the villain? You know, these are the things that people are going to ask. It looks pretty as far as a movie goes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to see it just for the pretty factor. It is. I mean... I, I don't think they have a number for this shutter speed. No. Of this. <laughs> it is so hypersaturated, it's crazy. I know. And everything's smoothed out too. There are millions of colors in each pixel. It's good times. It is a it's gonna be a visual experience. Sure. I'll I'll probably go see this. And that's why I'm gonna go see it. Leaning out of a moving car while you throw up is also a visual experience. I don't necessarily recommend it. I usually it. close my eyes when I'm throwing up. You know what? I've, you know, they've always talked about about what the Exalted movie would look like. Exalted being a, a tabletop yeah, yeah. game. Yeah. This is a lot like what it would look like, except there would also be a lot more martial arts. Wow! <laughs> so yeah, it yeah, would be good. 300 with Bruce Lee. This is like uh, Pretty much. 300 I mean, this is, like, is a huge hodgepodge of things. So, yeah. Yeah. If I were to compare this to something to be like 300 meets um the mummy part 2. Yeah. That's kind of what this looks or like. Or like the visually. Scorpion King. Yeah, Scorpion King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that's missing is release the Kraken. <laughs> but there's that giant wave yeah, that giant there wave. at the end. Then that could be uh Oceanus or whatever right. uh doing that, but uh yeah. Which you know, I that that's another thing. The original Clash of the Titans I love. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's somewhat it's it's a lot closer to that myth than this is to the myths that right, it's right, borrowing right, right, from. Right. But it still took huge liberties. Right. And I understand that that's going to happen. For one, the Kraken was an entirely different thing. Right. Right. But they're like, well, Kraken sounds a lot better than all the options we have, like Oceanus or Seto. Mm-hmm. Like, who's going to be afraid of a guy named Seto? Probably. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's one of my cousins. Cito, Cito Lopez. Cyclopes. Cyclopes. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure Cito uh, was a, a big so, on Deep Space Nine. Uh, bottom line, I think for me is there are a lot of creative people involved in this project. You've got mm-hmm. Brian Clevenger and Ron Mars and Jim McCann and Ben McCool, Jeff Parker, 
Uh, you've got uh, Ben Timblesmith, as we mentioned. You've got Jock. You've got uh, uh, more artists. I mean, this this is a huge credit list of people that they got involved to make this. I'm a little disappointed that it's not self-contained, that we then have to go to the movies to see what happens next or to see the conclusion. Um, on the other hand, and so that to me is a big dig. I wanted some kind of resolution here in this book. Yeah. Um, and we don't get it. Um, is it something that you need to read before you go to the movie? I don't think so. No. Is it going to enhance the movie when you see it? Mm, maybe. But I don't think so. Is it worth picking up? If you get a chance and you got some free time and you got nothing better to do, then yeah, I think probably reading it might be a good experience just to see what all these creative people bring together into a into a book. Mm-hmm. But is it worth is it worth it? Is it something you need to go out of your way? No, I don't think so. I say go to Wikipedia and look up all the names. And you'll get more history of what's going on. Yeah, but then it's gonna—it's not going to jive with the movie. Well, that's true, too. Then you can be that person in the back who's not uh, chatting on your cell phone. Or if you are chatting on your cell phone, can you, you can sit there and go, Can you believe they made Prometheus a bad guy? Hold on, let me chew on some of my popcorn. <laughs> Charleston chew. Oh, mean, meanwhile, all the, uh, the uneducated people who don't know the real myth will, Will you shut up back there? I'm trying to watch this movie. Yeah. This, is, I think, this uh, is historically you know, accurate. All, all the people that are... That are aren't uh, concerned with that will actually be having a good time. <laughs> I think I just realized why Steven's world is filled with B. Daltons and other things that don't exist. <laughs> Steven lives in a world filled entirely with straw men. It's all, it's all straw men. He, I don't even think he, do we exist, Steven? Do you believe that we exist? Are we straw men? Is that what that is? Rodri, we've anyway. got all this dead air right now that we need to fill. Please. <laughs> Give us your final thoughts All on right. Immortals, Gods, and Heroes. Have, have fun Here's, with your two-man show, boys. <laughs> Here's... Click. Here's the thing about this book. Here's the thing that was, I think, fundamentally disappointing. This book doesn't matter. Yeah. It really doesn't. If you read it before the before you go see the movie, it's not going to add anything to the movie. If you go see the movie and you like it a lot and you're looking for more material and then you pick up this book... It's also not going to add anything. Mm -hmm. It's going to show you how things got started. But aside from a few cool panels in which uh, Ares beheads some Titan. With a sledgehammer. With a sledgehammer. You're not going to get a lot more out of that. And chances are you got that in the movie. Yeah, yeah. From the trailer, it looks like there's several elements that are in the book that are in there. So there's very little point to this book. There's cool art. But honestly, I would go through this through the list of creators and go find other stuff they've done. I wonder how much they spent on this. I I don't know. Probably a lot. Probably a lot. Matthew, what about you? In the 90s, Pizza Hut put out a bunch of X-Men comics. And they're all number one issues. And they show up at the comic shop in boxes of comics that people want to sell about six to ten times a year. And they're tied into that X-Men animated series from the mid-90s. This is not that, but it's not far enough away from that that I would not make this particular reference because this is really, this is supporting material. It's well done supporting material. 
Some of it is really, 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 you know, purple over the top. No, I am Ares of the Fram. But you kind of expect that when you're going into a story that has at least some roots in mythology, even if those roots, you know, aren't very deep. I I had to force myself through parts of it. Some of it read really, really quickly. Theseus's story where he went for his mom read really quickly. Some of the early stuff that was almost but not quite mythological went. And then, you know, Prometheus showed up and it kind of started to drag for me. I would say that if you are a huge fan of this movie, once it comes out, absolutely, you'll probably want to go and read this. Now, as Rodrigo said, there may not be a lot here other than some additional, you know, background material. But if you are someone who really, really just loves the mythology and someone who grew up and you can, you can tell me who Kronos and Rhea are and you can tell me, you know, that Atlas is the brother of, of herpetology, you know, whoever it is, this is probably not the thing for you. And if it's something you just want to pick up as a comic and go, I'm going to read this comic and I'm going to go front to back and am I going to enjoy it? It's not really a complete reading experience. Again, it's it's very well crafted. It's very well drawn. Parts of it are very well written. But it's just it's not really a complete thing. It's a it's a hundred and ten page trailer for a movie that I personally have no interest in seeing. So I would say that it's definitely it's something that you can skip. It's not essential unless you are really, really wanting to go and live this movie. There you go, listeners. Meh. that wraps it up for this issue thanks for listening and being part of the major spoilers experience no I'm not I'm just saying that's kind of the summary of everything next week we're going to be taking a look at The Crow just in time for Halloween The Crow why because we know that you love comics and we do too and we will talk with you soon If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Majorspoilers forum. You can also follow Majorspoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being 
shot up in a pond in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah! What a major spoiler! Whoa, 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 whoa! What a major spoiler! Major spoilers is copyright 2011.